Hey everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. I'm your host, Elspeth Callahan, and today I'm chatting with Sarah Briggs of Let That Shit Go, all about decluttering for your mental health. We cover tips for decluttering, how to get rid of things sustainably, ways to discover your values and motivators, and how a tidy room can be a tidy mind. I know that for me, the space around me is often, a very often a reflection of how busy, tired, stressed, relaxed, or anxious my brain is at any given time, and I can often feel better about my situation by tidying up all the kids' toys, or the laundry, or doing the dishes. Well, not the dishes, I don't really do those, but um, Sarah has such great tips today, and it was so lovely to chat with her again. It's been almost two years since she was first on the show, and you're going to love what she has to share, so let's go. So hi, Sarah. It's so nice to see you. It's been so nice long. Yeah. <laughs> it's been since I'm like... I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's been since like episode 14 or something. Yeah. something like I actually, I went back and I listened to it because I wanted to have like a gauge of where I was then and where I am now. And yeah. I rarely go back and listen to anything that I've like any speeches I've given anything <laughs> like that. I just I don't want I don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. Today. So that was actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I listened yeah. to it. I listened to it. Wow. I listened to it recently as well. And it was so fun to just be like, ah, oh, the early days when we were just worried about people thinking we were normal. Right. So over that now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I've just embraced that I'm not normal. Like I've come such a long way. <laughs> so in the past two years, let's say, what have you been up to? Because your, I'm going to say channel or your account has certainly grown and become very focused in the past two years and has like such a nice aesthetic. (laughs) But um, what have you been up to? Tell me all about it. Well, first off, thank you. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, it's been a really interesting couple of years of figuring out where I fit into the, you know, the sustainability conversation. Because when we last talked, I was posting a lot of the traditional eco swaps talking about toothbrushes and like that absolutely has a place and I'm so glad I started there and yet you know my my passion is more decluttering living simply buying less you know and and having those kinds of conversations and I sometimes joke that you know when you're like four years old and you just keep asking why yeah why over and over and over again I never grew out of that (laughs) so I just I always want to know like why do we do the things we do? Why do we react in certain ways? Like, why do we buy the things we do? Mm -hmm. Why is it so hard to get rid of them, even when we know we don't need them? Right? Yeah, exactly. I love this conversation about like, how can we change our mindset and train our brain to, you know, be happy with the things we have? I think decluttering is such a big part of that. So it's become a bigger part of my, my Instagram and my blog, which is new since we, since we last talked. Yeah. Um, Got website now. There's a blog called Let That Shit Go. And I feel like the last couple of years has been sort of me figuring out who I am as a content creator. I am not that, you know, the perfect flat lay of all the eco things, Mm -hmm. you know. I swear, you know, I don't pretend to be perfect. It's been a very, yeah, very interesting couple of years. I love it. I think that it's nice to have a variety of um, resources online. And so people might have a lot of those kind of flat lays that you're talking about, a lot of those simple swaps that you're talking about, which is very valuable. I just chatted a few weeks ago with Holly Barks about how we have to progress. So if you are still only talking about the zero waste swaps, um, which are so important and so uh, 
influential right at the beginning because they're actionable. You can do them right away. You should be graduating, though, through the different levels of sustainable activism. And I love that you have found your niche and have just gone gung-ho with that and not like stayed put in that one little spot. So it's really fun, actually, to check back in with people that have been on the podcast before to be able to see that progression that we're trying to encourage people to have. I'm excited yeah, to... I remember last time we sort of talked about like how there's chapters, you know, and yeah. I feel like chapter one is sort of the basic swaps. And as you progress through these chapters, you you start tackling the bigger questions, you know, the systemic change, you know, that Polly's really into. Polly's great, by the way. Mm -hmm. So excited for that episode. And then where I'm coming from, it's more the how can we need less and how can we yeah. resist all of the marketing that's done to convince us that we're not good enough, we don't have enough, and sort of create spaces around us that are more focused on people and less on things. Yes. Ugh, I love it. My husband's aunt likes to say, you don't love things, you just love people or something like that. Or you shouldn't, I don't know. I, she says it very, <laughs> very wisely whenever you're just kind of like, oh, I love that popsicle or whatever. Like, <laughs> that's of course, that's the first thing that comes to my mind because I have a toddler. I catch but... myself doing that all the time. Yeah. Too, like, yeah. It's like, oh, I love that. It's, you know, but it's like, no, you can just say, oh, that's really cute. You know, or I... Yeah, whatever the whatever it's all semantics at that point, but you know it helps. Like words help guide us, and so if you're using the right words, then that helps you to feel less attached to things and more. The emphasis is on the enjoyment that you get from them, or the stress that they cause you, or whatever. So, yeah, for sure. So we're still what is this six months now? Six months into the global pandemic as far as it has hit Toronto Peterborough area. How has that been for you? It has been a major growing experience. <laughs> How can I put this lightly? <laughs> um, no, it's been an absolute shit show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been uh, one of the tougher times of my life for sure. So I mean, obviously, there's the general stress and anxiety of the pandemic I've lost three family members this year Jeez. and that's been just this you know I'm, I just feel like I'm surfing the waves of grief yeah. you know three times over and it's been uh definitely challenging you know for my own mental health mm -hmm. um not being able to see people and have comfort in the same way has been really challenging even though I'm an introvert you know and I like my me time like yeah. there's a limit <laughs> oh yeah yeah I mean you've probably had enough me time for <laughs> the century yeah. during this pandemic but haven't um, we all yeah yeah and you know there's the the sort of environmental perspective too of knowing that I'm creating more waste than mm -hmm. I did before it's just a natural part of you know not being able to bulk shop and mm -hmm. and you know the the reliance on convenience items you mm -hmm. know and convenience food that sort of thing because you know I spent a couple of months helping to to care for one of my loved ones and just didn't have the the mental or the physical energy to meal plan like I normally would yeah. or you know been a lot more sort of flying by the seat of my pants just trying to mm -hmm. survive and if that means buying packaged frozen peas or pierogies then yeah. that's what I'm gonna eat because yeah. if it's between that and not eating you know yeah that. so yeah just sort of uh, a journey of finding a little bit more grace for myself and a little bit more patience you know self-acceptance of where I am right now and where the world is right now 
the world is right now yeah. yeah for sure I appreciate hearing that because um, a lot of people have probably felt that pressure to keep up with their old ways despite the fact that there's a whole new world that we're kind of living in and so yeah I appreciate just the reminder once again even six months in or however long it's been wherever you are whether you're just you know kind of clearing and uh, getting out of this cloud of pandemic uh, mania or if it's still like if you're in level four lockdown like they are in Melbourne and so many places in the states and in India wherever you are in this pandemic know that it's okay to let some of these habits go for a while for a time being and yeah give yourself a lot more grace um to survive um yeah (laughs) i think it's something that i've been very open about in my personal life with my Mm -hmm. friends and family you know my mental health struggles i have got the history of depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. is, is still a struggle and it's something that is very new to me to share that publicly but I feel like if there's ever a time to do it it's now because I I don't know a single person that's not struggling in some way right now they might as well sort of humanize the the experience a little bit yes this past week was suicide prevention day and uh just I think that there is a normalization or a humanization like you said of talking about mental health and just letting that be part of who you are, that we all kind of have some level of stress and anxiety. And sometimes that goes a lot deeper. And sometimes it's symptoms of larger issues or things that you're dealing with. And like, it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to look for ways to find your balance that doesn't require you to feel stress that you're not doing enough or stress that um, you're you aren't enough or you don't look a certain way like all of these different things that you know, I mean people probably might also think that this is not zero waste related but it's human related and so is zero waste and I think it's really important to kind of acknowledge all of those parts of ourselves um, because if we're not well if we're not mentally, physically happy and or even just neutral <laughs> and able to like get through the day, then you can't possibly be expected to change the world or, or change something else around you if you're not able to kind of just get out of bed. I love that that is part of the conversation. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and I love that you brought up sort of the things that we can do in our own lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like the decluttering kind of relates to that for mm-hmm. me in a lot of ways, you know, it's like taking control over your space where we live right now in a world where we have very little control, Yeah, <laughs> being able to figure out who we are and what we really need. Like it's, it's a little piece of, I guess, responsibility that we can take in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. I say that okay. having, cluttered up my space a little bit with plants recently <gasps> oh I'm what a beautiful thing to clutter couple. yeah <laughs> I can see a couple in the background there they look awesome <laughs> <laughs> so I've actually found that's helped my anxiety a little bit is like caring I, I am a recovering plant killer uh I've killed a lot of plants <laughs> in my life it does not come naturally to me but I'm really trying and it's, it's kind of been fun to watch them grow and it's, it's a little tangible thing that I can can focus on yeah care- Yeah, and honestly, it's like an entry-level pet that's not 
like as heart-wrenching if it actually doesn't make it. Yeah, having this thing that requires your attention, requires you to get out of bed for it in the morning, but isn't as draining as like a toddler or something. Um, yes. Where if you're able to just have some control over like, oh, I can see that it's looking a little dry. I can do something about that. I can see that maybe it needs to have some of the dead leaves clipped off. I can do something about that. Yeah. And you feel like you're taking control of a situation that way. I feel like yeah. I need to get more houseplants because I have uh, no longer, like my garden is dying. It's winter or sorry, it's fall here. It's not winter yet. In fact, it's still late summer. <laughs> It's not even fall yet, but my garden has died. You must have two seasons here, right? Yeah. Like winter and like three months maybe of summer. Well, it's all construction, yeah. So uh, my garden is like looking a little crispy, but it's, you know, the end of the season. I don't have much growing, so I don't need to water it all. My point is that I have a lot of things like the water that I boiled my corn in or something and I'm just like what do I do with it I could just pour it down the drain or I could water more houseplants so let's get mm -hmm. more houseplants totally <laughs> it's funny I actually heard once that for a lot of millennials like pets are the new kids mm -hmm. and plants are the new pets mm -hmm. heard that like rocks which I assume they mean like crystals and that sort of thing are kind of like the new plants <laughs> Almost. but I don't yeah. know does that mean that like kids are the new rocks I don't know <laughs> Like, I need more. I need uh, more from this. Yeah. yeah. Kids. Well, maybe kids are the new marriage, like, as far as levels of, like, responsibility go. And then marriage is the new rock. <laughs> Whatever that means to you, take it or leave it, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh. That's funny. So have you ever, in any of your um, extensive blog posts or anything like that, talked about how decluttering your mind can be, um, or like decluttering your space can be a way of decluttering your mind and trying to kind of work through some of that mental health stress and anxiety? For sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very interested in figuring out sort of the mind and space or stuff connection. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the more I reflect on it, the more I realize that clutter really is a physical manifestation of a lot of anxiety, attachment to the past. You know, if you look at things that you're keeping just in case, like I feel like we all have those things mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, but what if I need it one day? Mm -hmm. What if you know, I need to keep it just in case? And that in itself is, is sort of a fear of the future. It's like an anxiety about the future. Right, yeah. Where the antidote to that is things like strengthening your relationships with people so that if you need that item in the future and you've gotten rid of it, you can borrow it from somebody. Oh, it's wow. It's community. It's, again, it's the focus on people rather than things. And it, it all kind of comes back to that for me. Wow. What a connection. I have never taken it to that level. That is awesome. I, wow. I love thinking about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's cluttering can be such a cathartic way to sort of work through some of those, you know, the anxiety pieces, you know, even the, like, who am I as a person? 
like, what is my purpose in life? Like we can get into some real like existential shit here, (laughs) but then by decluttering certain things, you know, like the things that you're keeping for like the person you wish you were Mm. like the fantasy self, like Like the the fantasy size, like the one, not, not necessarily a fantasy. And you do want to have goals and stuff, but hanging on to the clothes that don't fit you now may not feel very satisfying. Maybe it is. It depends on each person. But you're right. Like those those ideas of like, well, I'll hang on to that surfboard because maybe someday I'll learn how to surf. Yeah. And it's that's a big thing to store of ourselves. But, you know, it's great to have dreams and goals and and aspirations. The issue is when you look at that thing and you feel guilty for not being that person. Like that's a sign. It's got to be let go. And you've got to work through the acceptance of who you are now and that it's okay to not be that person yeah. who surfs or who wears fancy clothes all the time or keeps and, their plants alive. Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't given up hope on that one though. I'm still trying. <laughs> and when you are in a one room apartment, <laughs> yeah. like you are in a studio apartment still, eh? the space that you're still in. in a yeah. Studio. Amazing. Yeah. It's about 300 square feet. Yeah. Uh, I live here with my partner. So it's been a gradual process of decluttering for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a slightly larger apartment on my own for a while, and then we moved into a bigger apartment together, and now we've downsized into this apartment. And every time <laughs> we move, I've sort of done another big decluttering wave, uh, yeah. figuring all this stuff out again. But yeah, living in such a small apartment, having very limited storage, it's something that has to be at the forefront you know, of our minds is, do we actually use it? Is it worth taking up that space in our apartment mm-hmm. at the expense of having more room to move around and mm-hmm. weighing how much is it worth to me to keep this large appliance that I use twice a year uh, versus um, borrowing it the twice a year that I need it uh, sort of thing. Exactly. Or yeah, I love that idea of strengthening relationships. And I have a friend yeah. who, who lives in the building. Actually, we're really lucky to have this friend in the building because we we've sort of adopted that mentality of, you know, she has a food processor. We don't because we just have the tiniest kitchen and no room for mm-hmm. very many appliances. And we have a blender and she doesn't. And so we don't need a food processor very often. She doesn't need a blender very often. But when we do, we just ask the other person if we can borrow it. I love it so much. That's so good. <laughs> it's worked out really well, you know, and and even for like camping camping gear. Like oh, we don't yeah. have room to store camping gear. Yeah, yeah. But my brother lives in the city and so, you know, he's able to lend us camping gear for the I mean, we really don't camp very often. We That's our fantasy self, actually, is the camping. <laughs> <laughs> well, then good that you like, don't, yeah, good that you don't yeah, store it then. Woodsy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? We went camping this right? year and it was awful. So uh, only because um, I we brought a teething toddler and I don't know what else was wrong with him. But oh my gosh, it was hell. It was so bad. <laughs> we tried camping twice together as a couple. And the first time it... We did not have a waterproof tent and it rained a lot and we had like a solid few inches of water at the bottom of our tent. All of our stuff got wet. It was miserable. (laughs) And then next year it was freezing cold. And for some reason we had a tent with like vents on both sides of the tent for cross breeze. Yeah, because it's supposed to be hot when you can. Three or something. Not prepared. So uh, yeah, not the best, not the best experiences with camping, but uh, (laughs) 
Thankfully, you'll get I have there. A, a brother with great camping equipment. Yeah, <laughs> you'll get there, and you don't you don't have to store it in the meantime, which is the whole point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's great. Sarah Robertson Barnes on Instagram was just, uh, I think she just did an ad for Recify um, recently. I don't know if that's um, something that you've used at all, but it's a, like a rental system where people can put up their stuff to rent. You can rent other people's stuff and it's all pretty local um, to you. And then you'd be able to, if you have that thing that you're just like, you know what? I do actually use my canoe 50% of the summer, but the other 50%, somebody else could be using it then you can put your items up there and swap and trade them. Um, not permanently, like it's a rental thing. Um, and yeah. that's just another option for things that are, you know, those sometimes, sometimes I need camping gear. Sometimes I need like a pizza oven. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see that continue and like grow bigger. And mm-hmm. even, you know, we had a, I think it was a kitchen library Ooh. at one point. Oh, it's since gone out of business and I was very sad about that, but it was the idea that they had all these appliances that you'd need, <gasps> you know, once in a blue moon, or if you wanted to try one before actually making yeah. a purchase yourself, see if you actually use it, Ooh, you could do it there. We have a tool awesome. library, which still exists, mm-hmm. the Toronto tool library. And so it's the same idea where, you know, there's a lot of power tools you don't need to own yes. if you're only using them once a year, if that, or, or once. <laughs> So you could rent it instead and have this sort of subscription to a, a tool library. That sounds awesome. There was the this terrible statistic that I heard that was like people with power tools used them three times each or something like that uh, before, you know, giving them away or whatever, reselling them. And yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, no, I, I believe it because it's a lot of people either get them for gifts or get them for one project and then don't use them anymore. And you're just like, what if you had just borrowed it? for that one project think of the money that you would have saved and think of the you know less stuff that you would have to feel guilty about not using all the time or oh I should be more handy I should fix things myself more often blah 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 I like that self coming in again eh? it's Mm -hmm. like wanting to believe or the people to be able to fix things all the time but really how often are we that person and you don't have to be that person You don't have to be. It's okay to let go of that. Mm-hmm. So at what point do you find the mental capacity to actually learn how to sew with that sewing machine that you've been storing for six years or something like that? Like what, at what point, I don't know, what kind of tips do you have for that? I mean, I think the first question to ask is, do you actually want to be that person? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and if you have identified that, yes, you do. I think the first step to pretty much any change we make in our behavior is asking why. Why do I want to be that person? And what value is it connected to? So with the example of the sewing machine, you know, if your purpose of wanting to learn how to sew is to be able to make your own cloth napkins, you know, to do things that are environmentally friendly. That like means something to you. Yeah. It's a pretty core value of yours. And that in itself could be enough motivation to actually start using it it's, mm-hmm. it's connecting to that like why why because it's that annoying four-year-old again like why do we want to do this <laughs> sarah the annoying and, four-year-old no, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> there needs to be that sort of push because yeah. motivation comes and goes it's not a concrete thing mm-hmm. but our values are pretty concrete and if we can tap into that anytime we want to make any sort of positive change in our lives that's what's going to be propelling us forward, you know, when our willpower fades. Yeah, inevitably fades. 
exactly. Yeah. No, I appreciate that too, because that is something that we so often come up against in our zero waste missions. Um, it's not until it becomes a habit for you. It's not easy to force yourself to uh, make sure that you've meal planned for the week or make sure that you have remembered your reusable whatever um, in order uh, to leave the house. Um, Like so many different elements of our zero waste lifestyle are not at first the convenient option. They may become the convenient option because of how much we've integrated them into our lives. They've become a habit, but at the beginning they're not. And if you don't have that why power that like that core value like you said that is driving the seemingly hard sacrifices at the beginning or actually hard sacrifices then you're gonna burn out and you're gonna give up and that's that's the reason why so many people are just kind of like Psh, zero waste not touching that with a 10-foot pole or minimalism or veganism yeah. any of these things you just like that just seems too unattainable and I don't have a deep motivation yet um, to do it. Uh, but once you find that deep core value within yourself, then you're just like, oh yeah, I want to learn how to sew so that I can make this baby blanket for my nephew because I love family and I want to like express that creatively in this way sort of thing. That's a nice reason. That's a nice motivation to learn how to sew. Um, or whatever your reason is, I would like to be able to extend the lifetime of my clothing. So I'm going to learn how to sew Mm -hmm. in order to make them last longer, have some forever pants or whatever. Um, (laughs) Forever pants. That's great. That should be like a marketing thing. Yeah. (laughs) I think the other thing to think about is we make some things into these big mountains, Mm -hmm. you know, they're big, Mm -hmm. overwhelming. I'm not even going to bother starting because like, look how big that is. Like Mm -hmm. it's, too much when really I think we could all stand to be a little bit more playful with it and and treat things like little experiments yeah so rather than thinking oh I have to go minimalist I have to get rid of all my stuff you know we ended up designating one of our cupboards to putting things that we wanted to experiment living without so we would put like our toaster in there right and live without toaster for a month we we actually call it our purgatory cupboard because it's sort of like (laughs) awaiting the decision <laughs> of whether or not we're going to keep it. So, <laughs> so we're covered. we've had things, yeah, like a lot of kitchen appliances, kitchen tools, that sort of thing. Clothing that I, yeah. I worry like, oh, but what if I need it for this specific event? That's never going to happen. But I have a really hard time getting rid of it. You know, I'll, I'll toss it up there. And, you know, most things I feel comfortable donating after a couple of months. That's and awesome. some things get brought back. You know, I, I did that with my vegetable peeler. Turns out I actually really enjoy using a vegetable peeler. There and you go. I don't worry about slicing off my fingers that way. So, <laughs> yeah, peeling We've with a knife. I know people do it. I just, oh, yeah. too, too classy, I think. Freaks me out. Um, <laughs> so I think it could be fun to look at things like, you know, almost this little science experiment of yeah. like, what can I, what can I live without? What can I live comfortably without? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without having to commit to actually putting it all out at a bo- in a box at the side of the road, um, yeah. you're experimenting and it, you still have that safety net of like, I can bring it back anytime I want, but I don't need to yet. So we'll see how long I can last. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah it takes the pressure off a little bit, specifically for those things that you're like, oh, I really want to try not having this mm-hmm. but yeah it's like that little little 
voice in the back of your brain that's like, oh, but I can't get rid of it yet. Yeah. And you can do that when you don't already own something. You can have kind of like either a mental purgatory cupboard or like a list um, somewhere that is stuff that you would like to try not buying anymore um, or try making yourself or you would like to try not buying a new pair of jeans for a little while and just like live with the jeans that you have until they like wear out or and then you know you can consider finding somebody to mend them or mend them yourself or whatever like just those little experiments I like that perspective so that it yeah it really does take the pressure off um I found that with gardening too um this is my third year having like a garden that isn't just like my parents garden or something like that and I have often referred to it as my experiment to take the pressure off so that I'm not like I have to produce every tomato that I want to be able to can so that I can live and eat all my tomatoes all winter like that's very stressful unrealistic (laughs) I do not produce that many tomatoes in my 10 foot square garden uh but I do really enjoy gardening and it has been great to be like okay this year I'm going to experiment uh growing peppers I've never grown peppers very well before or like this year I'm going to do this so yeah it takes the pressure off and you don't have to commit to it right away I feel like that's our new culture of like non-committal don't don't take it away from me forever yet um yeah yeah and that way you can just kind of ease yourself into things yeah I feel the same way about my you know all my house plants as well where it's kind of survival of the fittest here, you know, it's, it's, I got some like hunger games going on. Like if they survive, that's great. But like, you know, it's, it's an experiment. I yeah. don't know. We have a North facing apartment, right? Okay. And we only so, like... have two windows. Like some things are not going to survive. That's just the reality. Yeah. And I mean, yes, I, I am responsible for, you know, overwatering most of the plants that I kill, but some of them are Too not much my fault. <laughs> Some of them just are not meant for north-facing windows. And, you know, treating it like an experiment, you know, like Darwinian is this way of... That's funny. ...of of embracing that. Yeah, I like the survival of the fittest thing um, as far as, like, interests go. Like, you might have a lot of, like, hopes and dreams of, like, different things that you're going to take on, creative pursuits, whatever. But, yeah, survival of the fittest. What what ones are you actually going to be able to stick to and actually enjoy? And the rest, you can just call them away and you don't need to worry about keeping the stuff for them. You don't need to worry about uh, feeling guilty about not being able to do those things. I did notice when my, notice when my son was born two years ago that all of my houseplants died. Because I just had to, like, focus my energy on <laughs> one particular thing instead of all the other things. <laughs> I mean, I think you chose the right particular thing. I yeah, I mean, it was that or my sourdough starter, so I, I chose the kid. Right? Yeah. Oh, speaking of it, I need mine. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I, I used to be a music major. I used to play so many different instruments. And then I went through a period of about four years where I, I didn't touch a single instrument. Mm. And I let myself get rid of my you know, like my ukulele, my guitar, because I wasn't playing them and I wanted them to be used. And the nice thing to remember is that just because you're not that person now doesn't mean you can never be that person. Aww, you know, yeah. actually, somebody else, you know, a friend of mine was, was getting rid of a ukulele and I was able to inherit it. And it's like, now I'm playing the ukulele again. Like, it's just, That's it kind of so comes nice. full circle. Yeah. Yeah. A sharing economy is a nice reminder that there is so much abundance 
in this world of things that you don't have to buy new or buy at all. And you can, you know, borrow these things. You can rent these things. You can trade for them online. You can getting to know each other, which is such a nice theme that just keeps coming back in this podcast. If we just got to know each other, then like we could yeah. save the planet. <laughs> I think yeah. one of my favorite things about decluttering and, and one of the things that I talk about a lot with decluttering sustainably is taking the time to rehome your items. Yes. Yeah. I know a lot of decluttering, you know, experts out there will say just like, do it all in one go, get rid of everything. Send it to the landfill. But I think that when you do it too quickly, you don't really take the time to process like, oh, what was it that made me want to buy that in the first place? Yeah. What was what was the need that I was trying to fill at the time? And then how can I create a new life for this object? Mm-hmm. You know, like I've done a lot of like buns trading okay, where... Yeah. Buns is like a, yeah, it's like a whole bartering system that doesn't rely on money. And so you can trade in, in my case, I had this old, um, you know, like a tens machine for physio. No. No. Okay. It's like this, like a little (laughs) machine that creates like an electrical current kind of a thing to uh, stimulate muscles or something. Anyway, I had one of these things and I ended up trading it for like 10 bottles of wine from somebody who kept having dinner guests over, but he didn't drink. So that's awesome. It was great. So it's just a way to find people who actually want the items yeah. that you're getting rid of. And it takes more time, but it feels so much more meaningful because now I know that my tens machine is, you know, being used. The old ukulele that I wasn't using is being used by somebody right. whose New Year's resolution in my community was to learn ukulele. Like it's just, it feels yeah. so much better than just donating to you know, some thrift store. And hoping that they're going to, you know, that the right person's going to find the right thing. And, you know, that's a lot of, yeah. So we talked with um, an app called, or the founders of an app called Olio as well, just before, uh, just before August. And Olio has a feature on their app for trading food, but also for trading objects. And uh, actually theirs wasn't trading. It was just like, giving it away like um making it just that much more accessible you don't have to like give something in return but things like buns and um any sort of like facebook groups that are just like a swap and trade group or buy nothing groups um all of these different sharing economies are just so good i love them yeah like free cycle is another one oh, yeah and yeah facebook marketplace has a lot of free items as well right. like you can, you can get items away there yeah, and, and sort of taking that time to take a photo of the item, write a little description. Yeah. Like it's it's almost a way of processing the item as you let it go. Yes, like grieving the loss of that item if that's going to kind of be a hard thing to part with. Like you just like, mm-hmm. yeah, like this thing is awesome and I'm really excited for somebody else to love it as much as I hoped yeah. that I would have loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And it's, you know, sort of honoring the item and and all the resources that went into it Mm -hmm. and and respecting sort of where it came from and trying to, yeah, make a nice little new life for it. I don't know if that's a little bit, you know, out there, but I, it's helped me to get rid of a lot of things that I wish I had wanted and I wish I had used, but Mm -hmm. I just didn't and helped me accept it. That's so good. I love that, yeah, your emphasis on rehoming things uh, means that we are slowing down with the whole process of decluttering because it's not like a Marie Kondo in in one day, 
get all the clothes from every part of your house and like sort through them and then dump the ones that you don't want. Like I just, I read her book and I was like, oh, it hurts my heart. How many garbage, garbage bags? She's like, look, we got rid of this much today. Hooray. I love that she's really helping people. But I think that, yeah, this mindful decluttering, this uh, sustainable rehoming of objects um, and things is so good. And also like it's, these things still have value and could have so much value for somebody. Um, and why spend more resources making more things when these things already exist? So, yeah, I think Marie Kondo's approach is really interesting. There's definitely some things in there that make a lot of sense to me, sort mm-hmm. of the, the gathering everything and putting it all in one room. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that because it's actually a really stark realization of, oh, I have a lot more stuff than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. That's when you can start asking yourself the questions of why did I buy another white t-shirt when I already had six right what was it that drove me to buy that but mm-hmm. I think if you skip that step of asking those questions and you just sort of get rid of it it's, it's almost like setting yourself up for this yo-yo decluttering right. mentality it's almost like yo-yo dieting where it's it's all or nothing you know you get rid of it all but you don't necessarily question like why did I do that in the first place mm-hmm. and if if that's not the case then there's a high likelihood of recluttering up the space after some time yeah like those hoarder shows where they just go in and like dump all their stuff and like that those shows like are very sad i think um because first of all these people are like possibly suffering from some sort of addiction there and then yeah the hoarding disorder it's it's a a personality disorder exactly i i I think yeah going in there especially if it's done without their full consent like yeah. that can be a traumatizing experience and it's not know? going and... to stop them from doing that again yeah mm. I've actually read a couple of books about hoarding in trying to understand mm-hmm. the extreme of clutter yeah you know I, I think of clutter as sort of a spectrum where we all fall somewhere on the spectrum yeah from extreme minimalist with a hundred items all the way to you know an actual hoarding disorder but we're all sentimentally attached, or I said pretty much everybody is sentimentally attached to some items. Yeah. It's when it crosses this sort of invisible threshold and becomes problematic and starts impeding basic functions of your home. Yeah. That's when it becomes a problem. But I think we can learn so much from the treatment of hoarding and just sort of dial it back to the people who have spaces that are just more cluttered than they'd like. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the ways to help? I know that we've talked a little bit about the way that you kind of look at uh, yourself and who you want to be and does this align with the values that I'm trying to um, continue and hold to Um, but do you have any surface level tips for somebody who's just kind of like okay I'm feeling a little overwhelmed by the issue and I'm not ready to like deep dive into myself Um, what do I do yeah so a couple of the things that I've taken away from those sort that sort of research that I've done about hoarding is things like There's something called the endowment effect, which is that we value the things we own more than the exact same item owned by somebody else. Okay. And as you learn more about the sort of the way our mind works, it becomes a little bit easier to recognize that, oh, if somebody else had this glass and I have the same glass, I actually value mine more just because I own it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be that way. Things like we don't miss the things as much as we think we will. Hmm. I remember there was one part of a, of a book that I was reading on, on hoarding. It's called Stuff. And it was talking about a woman who was trying to, I think it was throwing out a receipt. 
And it was causing a lot of stress and anxiety with the idea of parting with it. Hmm. And then she ended up parting with it. And then I think they came back and they, they asked her again later, you know, how painful it is in that moment for her to think about this receipt. And it was a lot lower than she thought it would be right. when she first threw it out. It was like a 10 out of 10. And, and afterwards it had reduced to the point where she had almost kind of forgotten about it. Right. I think yeah. that we tend to think that things are going to be worse than they are, or at least me with anxiety, I tend to think that things are going to be worse than they are. I feel like, yeah, anybody can generally imagine, like it takes a, a very strong optimist to be like, no, no, this is going to be better. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of those things, again, is coming up with your why. Mm -hmm. I remember there was somebody else in this book that that really wanted her grandchild to come over and feel safe and comfortable in her home. But she had so much stuff that it was getting in the way of that. And that was a big enough reason why she was able to make a lasting change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to find that that reason why that you're able to just stick to and be motivated by. I think that's... Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, one of my big reasons why is that I really hate dusting you know yeah (laughs) I hate shuffling things around to have to dust Mm -hmm. so the fewer things I have on my surfaces the easier my life is in that one small insignificant way yeah another solution to that is just not dusting like what I do (laughs) (laughs) both are valid (laughs) oh yeah I have no interest in dusting I'll I'll dust when I'm just like oh that's a lot of dust but not like not before (laughs) Not as like a preventative You've also got measure. a toddler. Like I don't have that excuse. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you had to spend like half an hour getting a wasp out of your apartment. That's that's a lot of work. That's true. That is true. <laughs> that happened right before this. Um, yeah. Oh. The vegan in me just like it didn't want to just kill it. I just wanted to like shoo it out of the apartment. But oh, I don't know what it is. Wasps. It's one of my one of the things that I am not a fan of. Yeah. Did you just yeah. put it? Out, could you put it out the window on your? in your apartment building like yeah can you open the screen okay so it was actually it was kind of buzzing around the window and so what I I managed to open the window close the curtains and it still didn't really get the hint so I had to sort of like poke through the curtains at it to try to (laughs) get it to fly out I didn't actually see it fly out so there's still like a you know 20% chance that it's somewhere in the apartment um oh we haven't heard it there's my anxiety for the day that's Are there any projects that uh, you were working on during COVID or um, that are coming up that you want to share with anyone, share with us? Yeah. So I ended up building my website during COVID. Great. Um, yeah. So that's a big, you know, a big exciting thing that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, I'm working on creating an online shop uh, with downloadable resources to help people declutter and declutter responsibly, you know, sustainably, um, as well as things like you know, little fun games to keep it, you know, kind of motivating, you know, I've got like a declutter bingo and like a declutter maze where you can color in one square for everything you, you part with. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been a kind of a whirlwind of, you know, starting to turn, let that shit go into something a little more serious. That's so good. Except not really serious because I'm never really serious, but you know what I mean. (laughs) I love your content and (laughs) I love your, uh, like your from an accessibility standpoint, your alternate text for your photos um, is really valuable. But I also love how quirky and fun you are in your alternate text. <laughs> you know, Instagram. I found if I don't make it fun, like I 
mostly it's for me, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm cracking jokes, I'm referencing like 90s music that I loved, it's it's for me, and if other people love it too, which, you know, thankfully they, they seem to, yeah. I all the better, but yeah, kind of like a punchline for every one of your posts, there's just like a little bit extra funny at the end, it's nice. <laughs> I just, I... I don't know. I can't take myself too seriously with this stuff. So good. <laughs> you have to have fun with it, right? Yeah. Now, as far as accessibility goes, okay. I think it's something that for people who aren't visually impaired, it's not something that we necessarily think of. But mm-hmm. I love including just a little blurb at the end about describing what's in the picture. And then I usually try to add a little bit of humor just for anybody who is sighted you know, they can appreciate it too. It's just, it's something for all of us. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's just a nice extra consideration about your content. So look for that. If you start following, let that check out anywhere. So is there anyone inspiring you in the zero waste, slow waste, decluttering, mental health conversation lately that you want to share with other people? Yeah. I mean, there's so many people, as far as mental health goes, Morgan Harper Nichols is amazing. I would describe it as visual poetry. You know, there's a lot of art mixed with poetry and it's, there's a 50, 50 chance of me reading some of her work and, and being just like awestruck or Mm. like like sobbing, but it's so healing. That's so good. And a big thing to get me through, you know, the, the stress of the pandemic and, uh, and the grief process as well through that. Yeah. Jeez. Um, What a year for you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Thanks. Um, that's definitely somebody who who is inspiring me great all the time yeah and as far as low waste goes I mean there's just so many so many great accounts out there mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Sarah Robertson Barnes who you were talking about and Polly Barks and yeah you know I've just been so grateful to have found this community of of people who are trying to make a difference in our own little niche ways mm-hmm. that's wonderful where can people go to find you and your website and you on Instagram yeah, so my website is letthatshitgo.ca, <laughs> and Instagram is letthatshit underscore underscore go. Nice. It was Slim Pickens by the time I got around to that. <laughs> <laughs> so those are probably the places where I'm most active. Yeah. Um, I do have a Facebook page as well, and I, I have a very neglected YouTube channel, but uh, hoping to change that soon. <laughs> very good. Awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with me again today. It was so nice to reconnect and to hear how your journey has been going and how much you've progressed and grown. And it's been really fun to just catch up. So thank you. That was so great. Yeah, I'm so glad we did this. Thanks. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you want to learn more from Sarah or to take part in her week of practicing gratitude, it's so good. Go to her website or her social media. Links are all in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's conversation, you might also enjoy episode 13, Being Normal, also with Sarah, episode 21, Minimalism, episode 35, Living Smaller, and episode 88, Let's Get to Know Each Other. You can find all of those and more in our archives wherever you get your podcasts. If you've been enjoying the show and would be willing to support the podcast, there are a few ways you can do it. One, you can leave a review like Heather on Apple Podcasts who wrote, Initially, I was excited for some zero-waste tips. Then I was excited to hear from a fellow Canadian. I look forward to every episode. Elspeth is amazing. Thanks. And I've implemented so many things in my life based on what I've learned from this podcast. Thank you for so many interesting interviews and for reminding listeners that zero waste is possible for everyone. Thanks, Heather. Another way to support the show is to buy me a virtual cup of coffee over at coffee.com slash Callahan. Thanks to everyone who has supported the show financially. That means a lot and helps keep things going. One more way to show your support is to tell a friend about the pod. I love sharing this content with you. And when you share it with others, it just makes my day. One other 
other thing. I'm thinking of shifting the podcast to be once every two weeks instead of every week to both increase the quality of my content making and also to reduce a bit of overload happening in my life. But I do love it and I don't want to stop. So there you go. Watch out for that in the future. Or if you have any other solutions, let me know. Take care of your own mental health this week and always have a great week, everyone, and talk to you soon.